Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. Twitter's mass layoff of employees has gotten a lot of headlines, but it's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to tech sector jobs cuts. Over the past few weeks, we've also heard about cuts at Lyft and Oracle, a hiring freeze at Amazon, and then on Wednesday this past week, Meta, Facebook's parent company, announced it would be laying off 11,000 of its workers, the firm's biggest layoff ever. After all that, quite a few people are asking, what's going on in the tech sector? Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. Today in the program, well, now that the drip, drip, drip of job losses from Bay Area tech companies has become a full-on surge, we're going to discuss why the industry seems to be struggling and what this could all mean for the economy as a whole. Joining us for that conversation, going to welcome on now Patrick Kellerman. He's a vice president of research for the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. It's a San Francisco-based think tank. Patrick Kellerman, welcome to the program. Hey, Keith. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And because I know uh, what a lot of you are probably wondering right now is, you know, what does this all mean for your job or your job hunt, as the case may be? We're also going to welcome on a man who has his finger on the pulse of the Bay Area jobs market. That would be Michael Burnick. He's an employment attorney with law firm Dwayne Morris, also a former director of California's Employment Development Department. Michael Burnick, welcome back on to KCBS In-Depth. Thanks, Keith. All right, uh, Patrick Kellerman, uh, starting with you. So uh, for some, obviously, this is all coming as alarming news uh, because, of course, uh, in a lot of ways, the tech sector has been an engine of economic growth for the Bay Area. It's just a lot of other sectors that depend on it. Um, uh, but give us some perspective. You know, the, the numbers for these layoffs, they, they sound big. Uh, several hundred jobs here, several thousand jobs there. But how does this uh, stack up to jobs cuts in the past? How significant is all this? Yeah, that's a great question, Keith. And I think uh, perspective is key, right? I mean, I think that's the key word here. And so 
Um, you know, the meta announcement this week uh, was significant. I mean, 13% of its workforce, 11,000 people, those are 11,000 individuals who, you know, no longer have jobs in our region. And it's certainly going to make a large impact. But I, I will say that it's not quite as drastic as it might seem originally. Uh, technology firms have been hiring at a rapid pace over the last five plus years, both as growth was uh, continuing at a pretty fur furious pace and there was a war for uh, talent. And so uh, Facebook has, Meta has almost doubled in size over the last couple of years to nearly 90,000 people. So when you take that into account, you know, the 11,000 uh, individuals that were laid off this week barely puts them, uh, and I think, frankly, maybe doesn't even put them back to 2021 figures. So uh, while this is big uh, and important for those 11,000 folks, um, it's not quite as massive as it seems. Yeah, fortunately, is the 11,000 are Michael worldwide, Burn. so they're all in the Bay Area. Um, but it is a big number, as Patrick says. I've been tracking in have been involved tracking the industry now for 40 years um keith it's always been volatile even in good times there are a lot of tech layoffs i would say though that what we're seeing today um and have been seeing for the past um couple months is i think the beginning of a type of realignment it's not the and we've seen several of these over the past 40 years um, it's not the severe realignment we saw during the dot-com bust of the early 2000s, but um, it is something different than the regular volatility in this industry. So um, it's we've seen these again several times, uh, these realignments, and this is another one. Yeah, well... Uh, realignment, keeping it in perspective, that is uh, all well and good. But it, it does seem like this news is coming at a quite a fast clip and even a, an increasing clip over the past uh, couple of months. Uh, so, Patrick Callerman, going back to you, what is behind this apparent realignment? Why are so many firms making the same decision all at once? Yeah, I think realignment's a good term. I've also been using, um, you know, I think that many of these firms, Meta in particular, but many of the other ones, uh, you know, haven't really had to face any significant layoffs or or really many tough decisions as their profits have grown uh, kind of year over year at a pretty uh, heady clip uh, over the past decade. And so uh, I think that these companies are maturing and a part of maturing is facing some tough trade-offs uh, that, you know, many other companies and many other industries uh, face all the time. And so um, I don't think there's anything necessarily structural going on here. I think this is kind of uh, you know, a sign of the times, but um, also, you know, kind of unique to each company in its own circumstances and its own line of business and et cetera. Well, yeah, let's let's pick up on that. Uh, there, there are a couple of factors that are specific to these tech firms that uh, wouldn't necessarily hold true for the broader economy. And, uh, you know, that's the I think the, the larger question that I'm hoping to get into in a second is what does this mean for the broader economy? But uh, focusing on the factors that might be giving these tech firms in particular some headaches, uh, uh, some folks have written about the fact that, well, over the course of the pandemic, people were staying at home and that led to record online usage and uh, high profits for uh, a, a lot of these companies. And now people are going back out into 
into the world that virtual life isn't so dominant quite so much anymore. And uh, so that's, you know, some, some, some dollars that they had been depending on that they're perhaps not seeing quite as much of anymore. And uh, then there's the question of, you know, companies like Facebook, companies like Twitter, they are very dependent on digital ad revenue. Um, and any sign of a uh, economic slowdown, that's, that's a very sensitive market in particular. Um, so, Patrick Callerman, uh, again, which of those factors do you think matter? Uh, expand on that picture a little bit more if you could. Yeah, I think they all matter. So um, these companies were growing at an enormous pace. And so some right sizing had to have happened whether or not the pandemic occurred. Uh, many of them maybe overreacted to the COVID-19 pandemic and in, in that the the demand for digital services was greater than it had ever been. But some of them planned capacity above and beyond that. And so, as you mentioned, when folks started returning to the office or even before they started returning to the office, when that, you know, surplus demand didn't show up, they knew that they had a problem. And then some of them have been struggling with, you know, profitability in their business model all along, right? Uh, fueled by venture capital early on. Some of them have struggled to turn a profit. Um, and so, again, I think that, you know, each of these uh, companies has a slightly different circumstance, uh, but it's all added up to... Uh, years and years of uh, kind of surging hiring, surging growth, and uh, the bucks kind of finally uh, kind of got to stop somewhere and they've had to uh, right size here. And I think it's kind of happening all at once, but I, I don't really think that um, they're as related as, as uh, many folks have made it out to be. Yeah. Well, and one more point on just this issue of perspective and how this compares to the uh, history of Bay Area layoffs. Uh, Michael Burnick, I know that you've been watching the job market in the Bay Area for quite a long time. Are, are, are there any historical parallels that you would point to, or, or does this one stand out in any way to you? Well, as I say, that it's, a, it's always been a volatile industry. We've had several realignments over the um, uh, past 40 years, and this is another realignment. Um, for the workers involved, frankly, it's um, they're in much, much, much better shape than most of our other mass layoffs in the Bay Area. Um, many people, Keith, will remember, say, for the example, the new me layoff in um, 2010, the auto plant, and it was the only auto plant. So the auto workers couldn't, some of the workers did go on Tesla, some of them moved to new me in other states, but a lot of them had no other auto or even manufacturing. The value for the tech workers is, as Patrick said, there are multiple hundreds um, of employers throughout the Bay Area, and um, many of them continuing to hire now. So in that sense, it's a positive, a more positive environment than we've seen in other mass layoffs over the past 40 years. Yeah. All right. Well, a lot of more questions to ask, but real quick going to remind our listeners that this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, we're trying to make sense of the massive wave of layoffs rolling through the tech sector and discussing where the economy could be headed next. Our guest for this program, Patrick Callerman. He's a vice president of research for the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Also speaking with employment attorney Michael Burnick, who formerly served as a director of California's Employment Development Department. So let's broaden the perspective now to the uh, national economy. Patrick Callerman, we've been hearing that dreaded R word more and more in recent months, recession. And a lot of folks have that question. Do, do these layoffs point to the possibility of a recession? It sounds like you're saying maybe they are not so related to the overall economic picture of the, com uh, of the country. 
Yeah. Um, you know, for the moment, I'm still uh, I'm still remaining in the, the positive camp. You know, I think um, the fundamentals still appear strong. Consumer demand still still appears strong. The technology sector in the Bay Area, you know, with um, the exception of some of these uh, circumstantial right sizing, I think still appears strong. Um, this week, Goldman Sachs analysts adjusted their adjusted their uh, forecast. Uh, probability forecast for a recession down to 35%. So they see, uh, quote, many plausible paths to uh, that not happening. Um, so I think all this adds up to, um, you know, oh, and we saw that um, the inflation numbers that were out uh, later this week also ticked down a little bit. So the Federal Reserve's actions uh, are adding up in a positive fashion to, to kind of uh, ease us into hopefully a soft landing. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm still remaining positive over here for now. Why do you think that there are such concerns uh, about a, a recession? I mean, it's it's pretty difficult for the a layman such as myself to make sense of it all, because on, uh, on the one hand, we have heard all of that distress um, about the inflation going up and up and up. And obviously, companies are very worried about the Fed fighting that by increasing interest rates. So a lot of concern on that front. But then on the other hand, uh, we have relatively strong jobs numbers, uh, job growth in October topping uh, 200,000, the unemployment rate still remaining relatively low. So uh, it it, it seems like we have the factors for a economic collapse or an economic recession, and yet the jobs seem to be staying strong. What's going on there? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, as I mentioned a bit earlier, you know, I think it's because consumer demand has still remained strong. Uh, Folks are still employed. Folks are seeing reasonable wage growth. And uh, as a result, they, they continue to purchase goods and services and homes and other things across the country. And um, that's kind of kept us afloat. Um, you know, I do think that there is reasonable concern, right? I mean, as the Federal Reserve raises rates, that the, the entire point of that is to take some heat or wind out of the economy, uh, as it were, um, but hopefully done in a way that doesn't take all of the, all of the wind out of our sails here. Um, and, uh, there was some concern about that early on, but it appears that actions so far, uh, haven't resulted in us, uh, you know, in a crash landing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I continue to remain positive in that, uh, the fundamentals appear good. Well, I would, um, Keith, I would disagree a little bit with Patrick. Um, I think it is true that the labor market, the job market has held up very, very strong compared to all of the other indicators. Um, business sentiment, um, even consumer sentiment, um, home activity. The job market has held up strong. We gained over 260,000 jobs last month nationally, but that was down. We're trending down in terms of the job um, gains each month. And jobs are often a lagging indicator. In other words, the impacts of the interest rate hikes and inflation, we may not see for a couple more months. We're beginning to already see a slowdown. We haven't seen any dramatic drop, but we've seen a slowdown. And um, I think we are going to see a continued slowdown, uh, not a sharp drop as, as I agree with Patrick, but we're going to see a slowdown in terms of this job growth. A slowdown. Uh, so a slowdown in jobs growth. Uh, what, what's the sort of timeline that you're expecting there? How deep do you think it's going to get? What, 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 what should our reference point be? Well, Keith, every prediction I've made over the since the start of the pandemic um, has been wrong. 
So <laughs> I've always been like, well, if you make enough of them, eventually, I you know. So, um, but um, so I'm I'm hesitant. I just um, think that you know, if we look at some of these, obviously the interest rate hikes, most of all, uh, we have a very strange dichotomy here in the Bay Area and statewide. Um, we have a, still over a million job openings in jobs such as the direct care jobs, the direct service jobs, a lot of the blue collar jobs, um, employers can't find workers. We have a severe worker shortage. At the same time, we have um, the tech layoffs that Patrick talked about and other white collar layoffs um, related to the interest rate hikes. Our mortgage um, financing industry here in the Bay Area hit hard by cuts. Uh, other financial services um, hit hard by cuts. So it's a, it's a strange dichotomy we haven't seen before where white collar and tech jobs are seeing layoffs, but in jobs for certified nurse assistants or uh, job coaches or long-term care facilities, um, certain, again, blue-collar jobs, employers can't find workers. And does that just speak to the fact that the region has become so expensive that it's difficult for workers making wa- blue-collar wages to even live in the region anymore? That's a part of it. But there's there's something else going on in terms of mm. uh, that we haven't seen in previous recoveries. Previous recoveries, the Great Recession, uh, also, the other recoveries dating back to the deindustrialization in California in the early 1980s, it took time for the jobs to come back. Now, Keith, we still have a situation with the labor force participation where workers are still slow in coming back. And especially they're slow in coming back in these types of direct care, direct service jobs. So um, part of it is the cost of the Bay Area, but um, it's a phenomenon we're seeing in other parts of the state. So it sounds like still trying to make sense of uh, why it is that workers are so cl- slow to come back? Yes, I think that uh, Patrick may have the answer, but for me, it's still the $64,000 question in terms of, of two things, Keith. Why people aren't coming back and how they're living, how they're living. Um, if they're not coming back to work, if they're not filling some of these jobs, um, how are they getting by? Yeah, no, that is. Yeah, you know, uh, Michael raises a great point. And this is actually something the Economic Institute investigated in our weekly Baywatch series a couple of weeks ago. The participation rate remains a couple points lower, which amounts to thousands of individuals who have not returned to the labor force following the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so to Michael's point, uh, why? Uh, you know, are they still caring for loved ones? Are they still worried about the virus? Are they unable to find childcare? My assumption is, is that it's many of those things, but probably more. And then two, you know, the $64 million question is, as Michael points out, uh, if so, how are they continuing to do that? Um, and so it is an interesting, we do have an interesting dynamic going on. And unfortunately, uh, I don't have the answer either. Yeah, Keith, we haven't seen this dichotomy between direct service, um, retail also, I would add, jobs and the white collar tech jobs where uh, there's such a difference between the job markets. Yeah, well, it does seem like on this front and in a lot of other fronts, the economy is just acting kind of weird, at least, you know, again, as somebody who's a non-expert in this field, just trying to make sense of stuff, uh, it it does seem like there are a lot of unexpected and difficult to explain trends um, all uh, happening at once. Let's talk about uh, another curveball that the Bay Area economy is facing, and that is the curveball of the the work from home 
movement for uh, white collar jobs again. And just, well, if we're adding on top of that, all these uh, tech sector layoffs, that is going to clear even more workers out from their uh, places of business. And this, of course, is uh, posing some significant challenges for the downtown businesses, especially restaurants or other businesses that depend on that surge of people, surge of workers around uh, midday. They don't have as much of that to depend on anymore. Uh, Patrick Callerman, what are you seeing in terms of how the we can't quite call it post-pandemic economy, but how this, you know, two and a half years into this pandemic economy is uh, changing things for the downtown of cities in the Bay Area. Yeah, uh, it's a great question, Keith. And, um, you know, all of the all of the three, the three major Bay Area cities have all seen uh, a slower return to the downtown core, to office, to work uh, relative to basically anywhere else in the nation. Um, some of that is, uh, you know, our very technology heavy job jobs uh, and industry. So many of these folks are, you know, very remote eligible, as we've been calling them at the Economic Institute. And so they are choosing to uh, stay home completely still or work from home, you know, most of the time. And then some of it is, you know, some of our downtown cores, in particular San Francisco, was so heavily concentrated in commercial and in certain industries that they're experiencing a kind of uh, disproportionate impact. Other downtowns, I mean, even Oakland in comparison to San Francisco, you know, where uh, a lot of infill housing was built is faring a little bit better. And, you know, I think it was earlier this week or last week, Mayor Breed acknowledged that, um, you know, downtown San Francisco might not ever be the same. I mean, as you said, Keith, we're not completely uh, post-pandemic, but um, we're getting there. Um, And folks' reluctance appears to be sticking around. So uh, it's a tricky problem for sure. And Michael Burnick, what does that mean for the employment situation? Well, I would agree with Patrick first. Um, We don't know a lot of things about the future, but we know one thing. And that's this remote work is here to stay. We're not going, nothing's mm. going to go back. Um, Unless you work for Elon Musk. Well, that's true. And we'll see uh, see how many people go back. But um, for the most part, Keith, I've been in my office at One Market Plaza every day since the pandemic. And it's changed a little bit, but it's still, um, and I know, Patrick, you see it, it's still empty downtown here. So, and that's not going to change. And from the employment point of view, the downside, as you point out, is, this ecosystem of downtown businesses um, has was decimated and hasn't really come back much. Um, in terms of employment, though, in terms of number of jobs, we have an economy with a lot where a lot of people can do their work um, remotely. So it doesn't impact, in a sense, the number of jobs um, in terms of the white collar and tech jobs. I will also add. It, you know, as someone who's been in the downtown for many years, it makes it much more livable. It's a much more livable downtown in terms of getting around people not, you know, the hurly burly. So there are some positives and yeah. uh, transportation gridlocks much less. But it's definitely we don't know about a lot of things. But this remote work is here to stay. Yeah. Well, the those traffic impacts, they are uh they were very nice for quite a while. It's creeping back here and there. So that's it's another trend to watch as well. Real quick, one last time, I want to remind listeners that this is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, we are checking in on the economy as tech sector layoffs strike one company after another. 
That includes Meta, Facebook's parent company, which announced its biggest layoff to date this past week, impacting 11,000 employees. Joining us for the conversation, we're speaking right now with Patrick Callerman, Vice President of Research for the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Also speaking with employment attorney Michael Burnick, who formerly served as a director of California's Employment Development Department. Uh, so uh, continuing the conversation with you, Michael Burnick, um, again, I can imagine a lot of listeners out there are wondering, what does this all mean for me? So how would you be advising the average worker be out there, you know, in particular, maybe somebody who's thinking about looking for a new job? or is in the middle of a job search, how worried should they be that the market is about to tighten up? Well, two things. One, Keith, for those workers who are unemployed, um, I always, it's a number, I recommend this in all fields. It's a numbers game. You want to get out there. You want to, when I started in 1979, you could apply to five or 10 employees. Now I, t- employers, now I tell people, you apply to 40 or 50 firms. Um, it's still competitive. But there are, again, there are, there's a lot of hiring going on here in the Bay Area, and you want to get out there and get, get out to a large number of firms and use your network and do other job search techniques. So there's a lot of positive there, um, even though a job search is always a miserable thing. <laughs> and, um, well, as I also mentioned, I, I think there is going to be a slowdown. That's why I also recommend that if you are in a job, you want to think twice about leaving. And two, if you're not, if you're still on the sidelines, now is the time to get in. Don't wait. Uh, and one way of getting in since it are, is through these seasonal jobs um, that are now available here in the Bay Area. You get in as a seasonal worker, it's much easier to move around. So my advice is if you're on the sidelines thinking about it, get in now. All right. Well, uh, Patrick Callerman, uh, again, with the Bay Area Council Economic Institute, I think I'm going to give the uh, closing thought to you. So I I guess curious for your thoughts on on the long term outlook. You know, are these jobs coming back? If they're not, what does that mean for the Bay Area economy? Might we see a shift to an economy that depends less on the tech sector? How do you see this all shaking out long term? Yeah, great question, Keith. I mean, the Bay Area is still a place that faces significant headwinds, uh, housing affordability, uh, cost of living, uh, uh, transportation uh, difficulties, homelessness, property crime, right? All the things that you hear uh, in the regional and national media all the time. But it's also still a place of tremendous opportunity. As Michael pointed out, I mean, there are still hundreds and hundreds of technology firms hiring, uh, residential construction, uh, any form of, of home repair, uh, of uh, you know, a variety of things in, in those sectors. Um, they can't find enough people. Uh, I'm hearing that you know, wait times for things are extremely long. We're still the you know, global hub of technology. Sure, some of these companies are making some adjustments, but this is after a decade of uh, just fairly extraordinary growth um, and competition for talent. Remote work, uh, as Michael said, we know one thing for sure, uh, remote work is here to stay. There's a very big difference between complete remote work five days a week and having to be in the office any any other amount effectively, whether it be one day, two days, three days. Um, and I think that we're seeing that hybrid is, is what most companies are defaulting to. Mm. And you can't move to Idaho or uh, Florida if you have to be in the office a couple of days a week. And so, uh, you know, for me, the Bay Area remains a pretty strong hub of employment. Uh, it remains one of the uh, world's leading economic engines going forward. And um, we might face some some rough seas 
uh, in the future, but um, I don't think uh, I don't think we lose any of that. All right. Well, I see uh, I see you nodding along over there, Michael Bernick. I guess a uh, closing thought to you. Anything there that you want to add to that picture? Yes, I would agree with Patrick. Uh, over the 40 years I've been involved there, we've had four or five downturns. Each time the pundits say, oh, life will never be the same. Our economy will never be the same. And then things change, you know, change and the economy begins to pick up. And um, the economy is very similar. So we've been through four or five of these before. And um our economy will come back. It's already obviously come back a lot. And um, I think the jobs won't be exactly the same, but we'll be creating, as we have over the past 40 years, a range of new industries. All right. Well, it's a good positive note to leave things on. I'll take that with so much going on in the world. Uh, definitely good to have something positive for our listeners, especially since, you know, <laughs> we're talking about people's jobs prospects. It's a sensitive subject. So, Ending things out right there, not going to say another word. We have been speaking one last time to Patrick Callerman, Vice President of Research for the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Patrick Callerman, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you, Michael. That's right. And uh, we have been hearing as well from Michael Burnick, an employment attorney who formerly served as a director of California's Employment Development Department. Michael Burnick, thanks to you as well. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.